Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry podcast brought to you by Raisin Grace Studios. Uh, let's see. Big shout out to Two Pilots Distillery. Y'all go check them out. They're our sponsor this month. If you want to be a sponsor, just hit me up. Uh, Red Circle, thank you for all that you do. Putting a little change in my pocket. Um, let's see. Our artist of the week is uh, Mr. Jesse uh, Wayne Taylor. Y'all go check him out. He's a bad, bad man. I met him in Nashville. And actually, the night that I met him in Nashville, as um, soon as I walk into the bar, I'm sitting down with Lee Tucker and uh, I guess the manager of the bar, maybe, or someone associated with the bar, comes up and starts talking to me, and he tells me about this man's organization that I've got on the show with me today, Mr. Jason Johnson. Uh, he is with Project Canine Hero, and uh, just from the little bit that I've read about it, Jason, I'm excited. I'm a huge dog fan, um, and I cannot wait for people to hear what you do for our canines that serve this country. Well, first of all, you know, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on, and it's always great to come on and share my passion and share our mission and what we do for our nation's retired police canines and military working dogs with a new audience. I had no idea about it, sadly, until uh, I went to Nashville. Um, and I got a brief, me and you talked on the phone that night. I'm sorry, I was probably hammered when I actually spoke to you. I'd already been drinking. Uh, but, uh, it, I wasn't expecting to get a call from you as quick as, as I got one. I very much appreciate you getting in touch with me. And uh, you know what, dude? When they hear what you do and everything, there's there's probably not going to be a dry eye in the house uh, that's listening, and I hope it's that way with them. So let's start off this way. Why don't you drop your social media links so people can go find you and Project K9 Hero and uh, all that good stuff after they get done listening to the show? Absolutely. The first thing you know, people can go to our website. It's projectk9hero.org. That's project, the letter K number nine, hero.org. And on there, we have everything from a way to donate directly to our nonprofit to how to get involved in our organization as far as uh, wearing some of our apparel, uh, supporting our books. We have calendars. We have all types of things people can get out there in their community with our brand on it and let people know what we're doing. We have the capital campaign we're working on here in Tennessee. It's a, a rehabilitation rehoming project that's on there. Uh, they can get on there and check that out. Anyway, so many things to do on the website, projectk9hero.org. They can follow us on our social media at Project Canine Hero, and that's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And there's just uh, things we up there every day. We're updating the amazing things today. And today, I know you're in Georgia. We're taking care of a dog in Georgia today, Duluth Police Department in Georgia, Canine Duco. Had an emergency surgery. He's retired. It was two thousand uh, dollars, just over two thousand dollars, and our organization paid that one hundred percent, so that uh, canine handler didn't have to pay that for his retired hero. And we'll get in a little bit more why it's not being taken care of uh, by the agencies they serve in retirement and what we do for them. But just so you know, we are taking care of one of your hometown heroes uh, in the state of Georgia today. Oh well, thank you. God bless you, man. I, I'm telling you, I, I already got chills. Because uh, I've, I mean, I've looked into it a little bit, which I'll do, helping uh, these animals that are just patriots. And they might be on all fours, but they, they got the same heart me and you got as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I, I want you to go in depth as much as you want to, Mr. Johnson. And um, let, let's start off with this. Uh, are, are you Were you in the military? I was. I was a United States Army military police officer from 1993 to 1998. 
Thank you for your service, sir. Um, You're welcome. What got you started in this organization or to start this organization? You know, first of all, I had known I wanted to be a soldier my whole life. And growing up, I didn't even know that being a working dog handler, a police canine, or in the military, I didn't even know that existed. I didn't know that was a profession. I didn't know it was a job. Um, I knew I wanted to be a soldier like my grandfather's. One served as a Navy CB in World War II, the other in a Marine in Korean War. So as soon as I, in high school, I could come in and serve my country, I did. And after five years, I learned more about being a police canine handler. And I thought, man, I'm going to get out get out of the military and I had a good background for it you know being a military police officer and I applied to be a police officer in Tacoma Washington a little town there called Puyallup up on the South Hill also worked in Yakima Washington I worked in Washington State for 10 years um, and I became a police SWAT canine handler I uh, was doing a narcotics interdiction and also you know as a SWAT officer and really trying to improve the community and my dog Flash which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Flash later but flash had 3,000 deployments 2200 fines and just a really good um uh example of what heroes do for the community went on to iraq and afghanistan served for the ambassador of the united states over there doing explosive detection uh three tours in iraq one in afghanistan i was the lead canine handler used in the iraqi elections in 08 lead canine handler used in the afghanistan elections in 09 came back went to atf headquarters uh in front row virginia and end up training about two thousand dogs between the military 21 international countries fbi cia u.s marshals all of those things then over to homeland security which you may have seen some of the passenger screening dogs in the airports to sniff passengers for explosives before the board i was a what's called a field canine coordinator in that program kind of like a program manager for a region overseeing that and you know at about by about 2016 when i started this i just hit 23, 24 years of service. And I thought, man, all these dogs that I just spent my entire life working with and training thousands uh, weren't getting any help or care when they got out of service. Uh, like, you know, at least the veterans have the VA program and it may not be the best program, but at least as a veteran or as a disabled veteran, I have somewhere to go if I need to, but the dogs do not. Specifically in the federal government, United States military, whoever adopts the dog, Whoever, you know, whether it be the last handler or a civilian, whoever takes care of that, takes on that responsibility, also takes on all financial responsibility. And that's where I wanted to start an organization, Project Canine Hero, to make sure that those dogs weren't going without the care they deserve. That even if it was in the line of duty, you know, wear and tear on their body, we see a lot of things with the joints. We've had a lot of dogs with cancerous issues like lymphoma, lung cancer. We've had amputations. Um, I want to make sure, uh, and having a background in police and military, I know that a soldier, a Marine, an airman, a police officer does not have that kind of money laying around for some of these surgeries, which can be up to $10,000. And so we raise money through the nonprofit, and we pay those bills at 100%, just like we're paying that one today in Duluth, Georgia, uh, for Canine Duco. Dude, that's... That's awesome. I also, at the same time, while you're telling me that, I kind of think it's a travesty that, I mean, they're, they're soldiers, they're police officers, regardless of what, you know, they're being canines, uh, they put their lives on the line. Why aren't they took care of after the fact? Yeah, that's right. They are putting their lives on the line and they're serving their communities. And I, I call it the most honorable profession in the world. I mean, as a police officer, that's who other police officers call when they can't figure it out. They call the canine unit, uh, you know, same in the military. Um, and the reason they're not is because 
when everything was established with a canine unit, just no programs or policies were put there to think about their retirement. Um, you know, they'll take care of them. You know, I want to be clear that they're taken care of while they're working. Medical bills are paid, whatever they need surgery wise. But the moment they retire, even if it's something that was caused by a work injury, but the moment they're retired, they're off the books. And, you know, the agencies they serve uh, don't have any funding in place to to keep caring for them. Uh, basically, you know, they're looking at the next dog and what's that going to cost to replace it. And they're more concerned with that than they are the healthcare. And that's where I really felt after all my years of service, I could, I could get out of the government and continue to serve our country and really change the world and change the canine community on how these dogs are looked at. And one of the ways I'm doing that, not just, you know, from the apparel and all the things you see on my website, like my children's books and the calendars and stuff. Uh, we have the Canine Hero Act in Congress right now. And that's something I've been working on for the last four years. It got introduced a few years ago and we're pushing hard to see it through. And that's going to take some federal funding for all, us to allow uh, Project Canine Hero to pay those medical bills and to make sure those bills are covered 100% directly. And that's going to help lessen the amount of donations we have to get out here and ask for, you know, on a radio show like or a podcast or a TV or a magazine interview, uh, because we'll we'll get some help that way. So I'm working hard to push that. And I think as the more we talk about pushing legislation and changing laws, the more we're bringing awareness uh, to the great work that these heroes are doing. And, uh, you know, one other way we're doing that, we got the Canine Hero Awards coming up this year in Washington, D.C., which I'm more than happy to talk about because we're going to release nominations here starting this coming Monday. Uh, you can talk about whatever you want to, sir. <laughs> um, like I said, it, I already get pissy when it comes to our veterans not being took care of after the fact anyway. Um, but to know that even like our government just pretty much says, all right, this dog could have sniffed out a bomb and, and blew itself to hell and back. Uh, that doesn't matter. Like, there's just something wrong about that system. And the fact that somebody like you is standing up and trying to do something about it. I've got the utmost respect for you. Well, I appreciate that. And you're absolutely right. You know, we got, uh, let's just talk about Sergeant Yeager and our program was, in Cary, North Carolina, Sergeant Yeager lost his handler in the line of duty in 2012, uh, Lance Corporal William Taro, and he was uh, killed while they were searching uh, for roadside bombs. One had went off. They were protecting their platoon, perhaps saved the entire platoon of Marines as they were out in front of them searching. Yeager had survived, but took shrapnel to his, his face. He also uh, lost part of his ear and he has lifetime bladder control problems. And he was retired by the Marine Corps to uh, another Marine family who adopted him. But when that family adopted him, they didn't realize he was going to need $500 a month worth of prescription medications for the rest of his life. And, you know, they contacted Project Canine Hero, and here we are, and we're paying those at 100%. But I use Sergeant Yeager as an example of a Marine who did go out there and sniff out. He did previously two tours in Iraq. He also did one in Afghanistan where he, he lost his handler. And, you know, he received a Purple Heart from the from the United States Marine Corps, he he deserves to be taken care of for his injuries. And the fact that there's no programs in place or funding in place to do that, I also think is just uh, it's bullshit. not appropriate. Yeah, it's not appropriate, I, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you can say it or not, but I think I can. It'd be in my show. It's bullshit. <laughs> uh, I mean, that dog has made more sacrifices than 99.9% .9 of the humans in this country. And... There's no excuse. There should be no excuse why it's not took care of. Yeah, and that's why we're pushing with that Canine Hero Act. And, and 
to go along with that, you know, we got the Canine Hero Awards, which we're going to be featuring seven of our nation's most heroic police and military working dogs. Um, seven categories, patrol apprehension, narcotics detection, firearms detection, explosive detection, tracking, search and rescue, and accelerant detection. And these are going to bring the stories to light in Washington, D.C. to our lawmakers to let them know the exact sacrifices these heroes make, not only overseas, but in our communities, uh, right here in our hometowns. Everybody has a hometown, and, and most most cities or sheriff's office nowadays have canine units, and they're there to help, whether it's keeping illegal drugs off the street from the dealers to search and rescue dogs who are out finding Alzheimer's patients, you know, the elderly or young children who may get lost in the woods. We have a lot of, we have dogs in our program like that. Bernie or robbery suspect who just held an old lady at gunpoint ran off in the woods and is hiding back in there, uh, you know, with a weapon and he needs to be located and taken off the streets. So these heroes, you know, we got dogs in our program who've been shot, uh, lost parts of their body. Uh, unfortunately, some of them lose their lives. And, you know, Project Canine Hero is here to make sure that they're recognized and one of the ways we're doing that with this awards coming up, which again, it'll be live on our website Monday, um, is to, we're providing free medical care for life for all seven. That is a, probably a prize that I would estimate around between twenty dollars and $25,000 each, depending the life of the dog and, you know, what injuries and, and things they have had. So we're, we're super excited to be getting that out there. We're super excited to be working with Congress and really, like I said, changing the world and changing the thought process on how our hero looked at in retirement. What can someone do to go help uh, either support the bill you are trying to pass through Congress or anything along those lines? How can someone that's listening right now help push your goal forward? Well, if you go to our website, projectcaninehero.org, uh, one of those drop downs on the menu is Canine Hero Act uh, right there by the capital campaign. And you can click on that. I got a video on there that kind of explains about it. We have some li literature on there that explains about it. We have a way to contact your uh, representative. So, uh, you know, you can and we have a little you know template of what to say. Um, it was uh, Bill H.R. 5081. And tragically, what happened, it was released by Congressman Ron Wright from the 6th District of Texas. Uh about 14 months ago and he recently passed away he um had lung cancer and he contracted covid and he he passed away a few weeks ago um that doesn't kill our bill necessarily um you know if, with it being on the house floor but it needs to be reintroduced and we have luckily we have over a dozen other sponsors in congress who are willing you know to put their name on it and see it go back forward so the point i bring that up because it's going to get a new bill number uh, once a new member of Congress, uh, we decide on which one will be the primary sponsor and that will go forward with a new number. And uh, I'll get that changed on the website, but with the uh, tra tragicness of um, Congressman Ron Wright recently passing, we have to back go through that process, but that's not going to slow me down. We're still going to look to get it done and we still got people in our corner wanting to do the right thing on it. I don't see how someone wouldn't support this. I don't, I don't see with all the people that the government already gives money to that uh once again you don't have to go into any depth of this, this is where i like to piss people off where people that live off of government assistance get handouts and the government pays for everything they do but we don't pay for something like this 
is a joke, and that's why we get laughed at by so many other countries, unfortunately. I mean, it, it makes no sense. I, I don't see how this bill, if, when it goes in front of Congress, that everyone doesn't stand up and say, hell yes, we're good to go. Give them whatever they need. And that's my and that's my whole point. I believe that as well. It's totally bipartisan, you know, but last year we sat with it on the House floor. I think it, it was introduced in November of 19. I went through all 2020 with not getting any bipartisan support. So, you know, as a nonprofit leader, regardless of my own beliefs, you know, being a former military and police, um, I'm trying to just do the right thing for the dogs. And it, it, it's, it can be difficult because there's politics involved. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's called it's politics. And um, I think I'm coming with a, uh, a clear plan with the awards. Because in, in the Canine Hero Awards, we're going to be getting members of both sides of the aisle. Uh, the Democrats and the Republican side involved in the Canine Hero Awards. We're going to get them involved in recognizing the Canine Heroes of their community together, and hopefully uh, help them understand and see the you know the importance of funding them in retirement. And so the Canine Hero Awards really does help uh, bridge that gap. Just let most of the members of Congress think that the Canine Hero Awards was their idea, and 100% you're passing the law. Just let them think that they're getting credit for it, and, and you'll be good to go. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, I know. I found that works as well. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, if you look at if you look at the bill, my you know my name's not on it. You have to have a congressman who who wants to introduce it. But you know, it's certainly an idea I had. But you know what? We're not here for the glory of anything. We're here to do the right thing. And as uh, the founder and CEO of Project Canine Hero. Um, you know, I'm here to make sure these dogs are taken care of retirement and I'm dedicated to do that, you know, any way that is uh, that I think it's possible for us to reach our end goal. Uh, that's the difference in you, sir, being in charge of a nonprofit and what a politician is. You uh, you are doing the right thing for no other reason besides this, the right thing. And you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm happy I got to meet you, dude. Like, I did not know a lot about it and uh i've researched it a little bit and the more you go into depth with this the more that i am just i i, I love it i mean I, I love what you're doing it it still doesn't make sense to me why it hasn't been done before but you know i'm glad that somebody decided to take up the mantle and do it well i think a lot of it has to do with my background you know serving at all levels uh you know with the military the police the state local federal level the overseas i think that you know when i get up there in washington dc and stand in front of members of congress uh or uh senators i have the ability to speak intelligently on what these dogs have done for our service you know our country uh we have examples we have over 120 members in our program right now and we have the ability to show them and tell their stories true life stories uh you know there's no embellishment here like the jaeger story uh right now we got military working dog rosso here who served in the air force was going to be euthanized because of his behavioral issues but he found a home here at our rehabilitation and rehoming center so he can live a good and happy retirement served 10 secret service missions protecting the last two presidents protected the president of japan Deployed Operation Inherent Resolve over in the Middle East holds an Air Force Commendation Medal, and you know we train. Shit. He was going to be, uh, he was going to be, you know, put down, and that's what we're here to make sure that those types of things don't happen. Why would one be put down for behavioral issues when you say that? Because I'm not, 
I, I'm not sure I understand what that means. Well, basically, uh, as a patrol apprehension dog who also did explosive detection, Rosso pretty much um, was trained to be aggressive towards other people, uh, bite, you know, people to apprehend people to take down suspects. And, you know, he was good at his job. He took that to another level. In fact, he took it to a level where he didn't really like any other people other than his handler. And what that ended up making him was unadoptable to the general public. And a lot of people say, well, why didn't his handler keep him? Well, his handler was a young airman who had an infinite home, six months old, who also remained, you know, in service in the Air Force and got a new military working dog. And in no way was his wife and infant equipped to handle uh, someone with the capabilities of Rosso just for a safety issue. And, um, you know, for that, they didn't feel he could be adopted out, but they contacted Project Canine Hero. And, you know, we were, we were able to make sure that he has a place to go so he's not put down. Whenever you do that, what is like some of the qualifications that someone needs to be able to adopt one of these dogs? To adopt one of our retired military working dogs or police canines, one really needs to have some experience in working with a with a working dog or a dog of that caliber uh, for the most part. Um, each dog is different, though. Some dogs get along with children and other people, and some dogs like Rosso do not. But at a minimum, they need to understand the capabilities and what that dog is capable of and have a nice yard and a safe environment for them to be in. And uh, we have an adoption link on our website. It's at the bottom of the page. And we're going to be getting a new hero in here uh, next week from Michigan, from the sheriff's office up there. Uh, his handler come down with pain, pain, pancreatic cancer and is unable to keep him, which is understandable why he's going through chemotherapy and everything. So uh, it's going to be uh, coming down to us, and we'll be rehoming that dog. That'll be one that will go out to the probably the most vetted out person we can find. Uh, part of that rehabilitation rehoming process, too, we're going to have two adoption cabins out here in our 177 acres in Tennessee where a qualified applicant who wants to adopt a hero can come out here, spend the weekend on us, uh, interact with it, take it on the walking trails, play with it out in the fields so we can see it's a good fit not only for you and your family, but it's a good fit for that hero. Dude, that's freaking awesome. I mean, it is, it is anybody that loves dogs, and I don't know how the hell someone couldn't love dogs. You know, it it just touches you. It's you, Because I'm sure these dogs, regardless of, I'm not going to say cute, because they're probably not the cutest ones ever. They probably look like warriors like they ought to. But, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are scared of them. I mean, it's probably almost the same stigma with owning a gun. I mean, these dogs are, are, are weapons and I'm sure a lot of people just don't know what to do or if they're scared of them or whatever. And you giving people the option of being around them first to having their family be around them. That probably eases a lot of minds and just makes the adoption process so much easier. Go. By us having those adoption cabins out here, it really helps the families to be able to come out here, meet the dog in person. And I just feel that the way we have it set up where they're able to spend at least one night, if not two nights with the dog gives them a realistic, um, you know, mindset. Is this something they can take on? Is this something they can handle in their own household? And we need also need to look at it from the dog standpoint, you know, this, this 
hero had served with another handler, is it going to be okay adapting to this family or a family of children? And like I said before, some dogs are good with it and some dogs aren't, but it's our responsibility, you know, to make sure that we're doing the right thing for the dog first and foremost. Uh, have you had families that have just been like, I, I can't do this uh, after being oh, around yeah. them? Yeah, and I'll give you, we'll tell you another Georgia story since we got so many dogs in the program. Canine Drax, Alpharetta PD, right outside Atlanta. Uh, Drax had a bulging disc and he had to retire early at the age of four. And, um, you know, he couldn't serve anymore medically. And that handler had already had one retired ha- uh, canine. And then he was getting a new one to replace it. So he couldn't keep three active dogs in the home with the family. He just couldn't do it. And they asked if, if we could rehome Drax. So he came out uh, here to our facility and, uh, we found him a nice home, someone whose, uh, husband had been a police canine handler. They had experience with working dogs, had working dogs in the home before everything matched up. But when they got Drax in their house, he was just too much energy for him because he's a, he was a hundred pound German shepherd, Belgian Malinois mix who, you know, didn't understand he was retired. He, he wanted to play (laughs) and, and, she sent me a picture of like this scratch on her arm and said he tried to attack her uh, because she came out with like a big fuzzy bathrobe on. And you can imagine what Drex thought. You know, he, he thought, Hey, this is like playtime, like, you know, big old fuzzy arm. And so he kind of tried to grab it. You know, it kind of resembles a bite sleeve. Yeah. Um, and if you're not thinking right, if you're just throwing your big fuzzy robe on and Drex is like, Oh, playtime. And you know, he grabbed her, uh, not in a bad way, but this scratch was really, really light. I mean, if anyone's seen a bite by a police dog, you know that they can be gruesome. And I said, well, if Drax wanted to grab you, you would have known. Like you would, <laughs> you would, you would be in the ER right now. Uh, you wouldn't be sending this picture of this scratch on your arm. But I thought to myself, okay, this is definitely not going to work out because if you're freaking out over that, uh, you, you know, you're not suited to keep a police canine like Drax long term. Um, you know, so we went and retrieved the dog immediately and uh, found a secondary home for Drex, which uh, we, we've kept him here in the organization. He's our facility mascot and uh, lives with our director of operations now. That's cool, dude. Um, so uh, have you found any dogs that after service that are just, uh, I hate to say this, just un, they can't ever adapt to normal life? You know, I'm working with Rosso right now with that, you know, the military working dog I talked about who's going to be put down. And I'm actually doing his rehabilitation myself here one-on-one. Uh, he hasn't been able to really interact with any of our other staff yet, which kind of ties me up with my timing. And, you know, if I leave town, I have to take him with me. Um, but, you know, he can see another person and you don't know how he's going to react with them. And, you know, like I said, 10 missions with U.S. Secret Service protecting the president, missions in Japan, missions in the Middle East. Um, you know, he was trained to be aggressive. He was trained to protect. And you don't know how what he sees through his eyes. But I have been around him where uh, stopped on the way here. I drove, the, I drove him back from Spokane to Tennessee. I stopped to see one of my old partners that I worked overseas with at Kansas City Police, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. He was on duty, traffic officer. We stopped and got lunch. Uh, I was letting him see Drax. I handed him a piece of paper and Drax went up to grab him, you know, up in the neck area for being that close to me. Oof. Absolutely. Absolutely. No reason for, you know, for, for Rosso, I'm sorry, for Rosso to do that. Um, but my point is he saw that as a threat 
and you know he's not adapting well to people being around me he's not adapting well uh, you know he, he can't be out there when someone come up and shake my hand or hand something to me which tells me he's not ready for any type of uh, being out in the public, um, which also tells me, you know, the military made the right decision by not letting him be adopted out by a civilian or going to the handler's home where they had a small child. Um, but with 177 acres, I do two to three rehabilitation sessions with him a day, 30 to 45 minutes, a lot of playing, a lot of ball, a lot of retrieve. Uh, for those who want to see some of that, go to our Facebook page and you'll see some of the lives. I do about a live a week. So check out some of the videos of Rosso. I do some questions and answers about his rehabilitation. And what, you know, what there is, is they all have triggers. And I, what, I, what I try to do is I learn what his triggers are. Being around a vehicle is a trigger. Being around people who are getting too close to me is a trigger. Being around things that make noise like a four-wheeler or a generator is a trigger. And I remove all of those triggers from our, our sessions. And the only thing he comes out with me and does is he exercises. It's all positive. Uh, if you're probably familiar with the chuck it ball, we have the large chuck it ball. I, I, I throw that thing as far as I can for him. He runs until his, he is, his heart's content. If he can get two, he tries to get two and he likes to keep them away from me. And we get some physical interaction. We get some um, verbal interaction. And most importantly, he's releasing all that energy that he has. And I'd rather see him do that out here in the open fields that are rehab rehabilitation center in Tennessee than someone in the public. Uh, I, these dogs are just, I mean, it's not even their fault the way they're like, I guess what I'm trying to say is everything that they've been taught, they were trained and it probably for a bat, lack of better words was beat into them. Uh, I mean, over and over and over and over programmed. again. Yeah. Yeah, programmed, yeah, programmed. Pro yeah. Programmed to not let someone come near his handler. Yes. Programmed that if someone comes to his handler, he's to back them off. <laughs> well, you know, you can't tell him someone who, you know, when he retired from the Air Force, he was the oldest uh, active duty dog in the Air Force. He's 11 years old. They normally, some of them don't even live that long. And he has. And uh, my point is, you're not going to retrain his thought process. Um the way he sees things and does things uh, that's, that's been instilled into him. All you can do is manage it. How often do you hear you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Oh, I, you hear it a lot. And, and <laughs> there are dogs out there who can adapt, but someone with Rosso's background experience, he's, he's not adapting. And people look at him and they'll say, Oh, he's so cuddly and cute. I just want to hug him. And I'll be like, well, you probably should stay about 50 feet away. Cause, uh, we're not 100% certain how he's going to react to you trying to hug him. Yeah, it seems like he needs about his own 10 acres with a very nice dog house, a lot of dog food, being fed regularly, exactly. a lot of toys, and just That's give, him. Give yep. him, give That's him. what he has, yeah. yeah. He has a condo. It's, <laughs> a, it's an indoor, outdoor condo. Yeah, it's on, my, it's on our uh, page. If someone goes back and looks at, at Instagram or Facebook at Project Canine Hero, go back to about uh, – first week in december or and when i got back with him around christmas i posted a picture of him in his condo it's a it's real nice indoor outdoor got a feed room in there it's heated it's real nice he does he loves it and uh yeah he's got the big field you know we got you know 177 acres that's why we bought this place down here and have it he's got room to roam he's got room where people don't mess with him and he loves it um you know 
and that's what these heroes need and it is so much better an alternative if if someone goes and watches some of our live videos i've done with them on facebook you'll see how happy he is so much of a better alternative putting them down just because someone didn't have the resources or the ability to care for them. I just don't understand why. I mean, I get, you know, you got cheap asses and people that don't want to pay for medical care for a dog or whatever after it's all said and done. But it just seems like there should have always been a program for this. And, you know, yeah, there should have been guidelines in place already that for when a, a canine got done serving, whether it was military or law enforcement or whatever that, you know, that canine was took care of and the handler and them. Well, let me ask you this. Are most handlers and canines, if a canine retires is most of the time, the handler going to be the one who keeps it if they're able to. Yeah. I I would tell you about, we find that about 90% of the handlers do get to keep their dog. Uh, However, no matter if they get to keep their dog or, it's adopted to us another civilian a hundred percent of the medical care is not being taken care of and we know that these soldiers these police officers they don't have funding set aside um, because of what their salaries are to pay these bills that are thousands of dollars for their hero and keep in mind this hero might have saved their life so they they feel like a moral and ethical obligation to make sure they're being taken care of and and before there was nonprofits like project canine hero out there they basically had to go on personal debt and we want to make sure that that's not that's not happening. And by setting up a 501c3 organization who can take in funding from all over the nation, we're registered in all 50 states. Um, that allows us to, you know, legally take in that money and legally put it to where it's needed without that handler having to go through the process. Were there any other uh, organizations before Project K9 that? helped with the cost of these or or were y'all pretty much the the trailblazers with it there was a few other nonprofits that uh helped with some medical care and helped with trying to get dogs you know coming back from overseas and trying to help with dogs who were going to be put down um but i feel when i wrote the uh articles incorporation and and you know our mission statement was a little different um one of the things that we do do that's totally different is once a dog's in our program, we're paying for their bills, and we have 120 full-time members right now uh, in the in our program that we've had. We pay the bills at 100% direct, not you pay it, send us the receipt, and we'll see how much we can reimburse because there's programs that might give you a thousand on a five thousand dollar bill, or they might do whatever. No, we pay directly that day. They don't even pay the veterinarian office. We will pay it at 100% on our card and make sure that they don't have to even deal with it at all. And I've never seen another profit do that, nonprofit do that. I've also never seen another nonprofit where someone had an emergency, like a gastric torsion, it's a bloat, and they rush them to the emergency veterinarian. And, you know, they want a $2,000 down payment on their credit card just to start. And then there's another $4,000 bill at the end. I have called and actually had them reimburse that credit many many times onto that handless credit card dropped our card and made sure the 100 percent of the bill came to us and i've never seen another nonprofit do that either so i feel that the way that we're handling these bills um is much different than um and it's much more beneficial to the handlers and the owners of these dogs than i've ever seen before besides for you just being an example for what should be happening for canines your your organization ought to be an example for all nonprofits everywhere the way that you act and the way that 
you take care of things. Like there's this a no nonsense, put the dog first, do the right thing kind of aspect of what you do. And that's freaking awesome, dude. Well, I really appreciate that because, you know, when I left the government in 2017, you know, I was, you know, I was only, you know, in my early forties, I still had a lot of time to work and I was pretty high up in government. Meaning I could have just stayed there, made my salary, got my retirement, got my benefits and been about my business. Um, however, I didn't feel it was right. The, what I saw with all these dogs and I felt like you said, I had to do the right thing. So, you know, I had to take a leap of faith by quitting my job and some of those government jobs that I've had, you don't get back. Uh, you know, when you walk away, you just don't, you just can't come back to work one day and it's like, Hey, I'm back, you know, to get my job. And you go from a, a guaranteed salary for life to, okay, I'm a nonprofit owner now. And I have to hustle. And every day you have to get up and you have to tell people about your mission, tell people about your passion. I took $500 out of my pocket in 2016 to start Project Canine Hero, remained in the government until January 17. We made $50,000 that year just by, you know, I'm trying to create the logo, trying to create the website, trying to create a brand, trying to get some word out. I wrote my first children's book. Well, in 17, I quit the government. I said, okay, I, if this is going to go anywhere at the level I want, I have to really put myself out there and being a government employee, they don't let you do that. So I quit. I just walked away and uh, we made $500,000 that year. 18, we did 1.4 million. Uh, 19, we did over 2 million. This past year, we're going to do about 2.5 in 2020 uh, once we get everything back. And it's, it's a great feeling to see how we're, getting notoriety all across America. And that's a lot of work. That's all it's coming on a lot of shows like yours. Uh, what I tell people, I try to do one podcast or interview a week. That's 52 a year. And, and I, I usually stay pretty good at that. But I would say that 95% or more of your audience never heard of Project Canine Hero. And, you know, that's why, you know, we jump to the opportunity to come on here and tell people about what we do, what's going on, how they can get involved, go into our website. I, I know you're able to see some of the videos, some of the gear I'm wearing. I'm wearing one of our Captain America hoodies here today. We got some great apparel that make great presents, but more importantly, it helps the dogs and it helps people you know, spread awareness about our mission. I, dude, I think you're going to be successful in helping people and as a nonprofit for a very long time. I mean, there's just something about doing the right thing and the way you're going about it that people probably just absolutely adore um one thing i want to know more about is the the children books uh sure. can you, you kind of dive into the children's books a little bit yeah i kind of touched briefly on my introduction but we'll talk about canine flash and she was my partner in yakima washington when i was a narcotics canine handler uh got her in 2005 she was at a uh at a dog shelter in Everett, Washington. She was scheduled to be euthanized. She was deemed unadoptable because of her uh, activity level, her behavior and her animal aggression. But she tested well to get to this class we were starting for narcotics canine detection at the Washington State Patrol. So we took a chance on her and she ended up becoming my partner. And we went out and we worked in Yakima and it's, that's in central Washington. And again, she had 3000 employments, 2200 fines. Uh, I had gotten promoted, went over to Iraq in 2008 to work for the U S ambassadors detail as a dog handler. And I had to leave her behind. She ended up having two more handlers. And in 2013, when I was working in Washington DC with ATF as an instructor, she needed a home and they called me to ask if I could take flash in because the handler she had couldn't keep her because of her other pets. So I, I flew all the way up there on my own dime. I got flash. They sold it to me for a dollar. 
and uh, she inspired me to start Project Canine Hero. And, you know, looking back on my first book, which is called Canine Flash Becomes a Hero, it's her story of being a street puppy who is going to be euthanized, be put down, who gets her chance to become a police canine, who subsequently goes on and has a huge career and in 2018 she was named the law enforcement dog of america by american humane uh in the, in the entire united states and voted on by millions of people and hallmark had come out they did a special on us uh if you go to our website on our about page you'll see some media links people can watch the hallmark video on flash uh when she got her award in hollywood and all that but it's just remarkable and with that book i'm trying to teach children that no matter where you start from no matter where you come from, whether it be a small town in Georgia or some big city, you can accomplish anything in the world as long as you're willing to work hard enough to earn it. And that was Flash's story. And that book in our first several years took me around the nation. I've read it all the way from Alaska to Florida, from you know East Coast to West Coast, and taught so many children about the canine profession. Because remember when I said I wanted to be a soldier my whole life? I didn't even know you could be a dog handler. So on top of that, we're trying to teach the next generation that, hey, this is an honorable profession. You can be a dog handler, whether it be in the fire service, the military service, the police service, and you can go out there and help your community. And so that book is available on our website at projectk9hero.org. But this past year, I had another book come out called Canine Flash, a Hero's Hero. And that takes us from the time where I quit my government job and that first book came out and she won her award. And we really took Project Canine Hero to a new level, placing all these heroes in our program. And it's her journey about going out and meeting some of the other dogs. Sergeant Yeager, who I talked about earlier in this interview from the United States Marine Corps featured in there. Um, Canine Axel, who uh, became our uh, another one of our ambassadors who needed a home. He's in there. Um, we talk about different dogs and what they do around the country and kind of explain their jobs, but also kind of explain why they need our help. So that book's available also on our website. You can get them in a bundle pack. But I would say if you know any children out there between the ages of four and 10, these books are really good. And um, not just saying it because it's my true life story. I'm the author, but it really teaches kids about our profession and it, and it teaches them about, uh, you know, why it's important to not only take care of our canine heroes, but like you've said a few times, Josh, about doing the right thing. And that's, and that's all we're all about. Yeah. I'm fixing to go order both of them right now. Uh, <laughs> dude, you just, you're so cool. Uh, you being up there around the Nashville and that kind of area, have you heard, uh, Chris Stapleton's new album by any chance? I'm a big Chris Stapleton fan. Um, you know, I will say uh, I try to get up in Nashville as much as I can. I, I, and I, I'm thankful for Hasten. It was Hasten from Live Oak, who he's the yep. uh, one of the owners of that establishment there on Music Row. And I try to get up there, and I know you're friends with uh, Lee Tucker, and uh, I try to hang out with those guys when I can. Uh, my goal is to actually get up there and put on, uh, you know, a show. I think they've offered the live book to me a couple times to do kind of a fundraiser uh, with some of the artists. Uh, well, you let me know. Having that, having that said, I, yeah, I want to have your brain because having someone like Chris Stapleton involved would be awesome. Well, so, what I was, um, uh, was going to say is yeah. uh, Chris Stapleton on his new album, he has a song called Maggie's Song. And it's, uh, I have heard that. Okay. Heard that, that. That's what I was fixing to ask you about. Cause the story you just told about flash, it, it took me directly to that song in my mind. And I was like, I hope he's heard it. Um, yep. So, yep. I have heard it. And, uh, 
you know, I actually think Flash's story, when you read the two books, could be turned into an animated movie or a movie for children. It's so inspiring to talk about, you know, a dog who is on the streets going to be put down gets a chance because if you look at when you look at flash you'll see she's not your typical police dog she is a mutt she is a mix of many things she's not (laughs) she's she's not big and strong she was you know 48 pounds but you know what she was really good at finding narcotics and uh she she made quite the career doing that and uh again goes to show children it doesn't matter how big you are you don't have to be some huge german shepherd or belgium alawah you know like an athletic type build you can be you know, a mutt like Flash coming from the streets and still make it all the way to the top of your profession. Dude, you're going to help so many people. I can't believe I didn't know about Project K-9 until just the past couple of days or the past two weeks or whatever. This uh, this organization, like I said, is going to be around for a hot, hot minute. Um, anything that we can ever do here with my show or at Raising Grace Studios to help you uh, with anything, Please, please, please let me know if it's if y'all are needing to raise money uh, for any type of thing or if there's anything we can do. I love what you're doing. Um, man, I'm just, I'm just proud I got to meet you. I think you're one of the few, not few people. There's a lot of people doing good in this world. But there damn sure needs to be a lot more people like you. Um, and this organization that is found a need that is just one of the things that fell through the cracks in our country and it shouldn't have. But uh, you're you're righting a lot of wrongs right now, dude. And anything we can ever do, like I said, you you got our support 110%. With that being said, uh, just once again, thank you for coming to do my show and uh, taking some time out of your day. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, but, hell, stuff happens. When you're doing good and the devil tries to get in your way, the good Lord finds a way to knock his ass back down. So uh, we're trying to share something positive today and... So it's just some demons got in our path. Um, but before we get out of here, uh, drop your social media stuff again so they can go look. If they want to donate or they want to help with anything, how do they do so? And uh, and then end with something positive, something uplifting, or just something real good about your doggies. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's always an honor to come on here and talk about my passion and mission at Project Canine Hero. Again, Go to our website at projectk9hero.org. Check us out on there. Uh, you know, look at our shop. Look at all the great things you can do to represent our brand in your hometown. Everything I talked about from the shirts, the children's books. We got hats. We got bicycle playing cards. We got so many cool things on there. I think something for everybody to find. Um, and learn more about why you're on that website. Learn more about that capital campaign. We're about the rehabilitation rehoming center we're building out here. Always looking for those uh, corporate sponsors. So if anyone's listening who were, you know, was inspired about what we're talking about here and wants to get involved with their company, you know, contact us on there. We'll have those Canine Hero Awards out nominations on Monday. And we talked about the Canine Hero Act. So all that's on our website, projectk9hero.org. On our social media at Project K9 Hero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you'll see more of our day-to-day things, like the bills we're paying today, like the ones I talked about here in Duluth, Georgia, for uh, K9 Duco. And we update, uh, you know, when we have dogs available for adoption. We update when we have dogs that we're taking in who need rehoming. So all of that stuff is on our social media. Give us a like on all those pages that you follow, and I think uh, you'll be able to see some live video and things we're doing there. And most importantly, 
Uh, I just want to say, you know, as a former soldier and a police officer, thank you for believing in me. Thank you for believing in our mission. Uh, one thing I always like to leave with is that these canine heroes spent their entire career protecting us, and now it's mine to spend the rest of mine protecting them. Damn right. You ended that better than I ever do a show. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, man. If there's anything we can ever do, please let us know. And, uh, folks, y'all go, y'all go support them buy merch, donate, whatever. It's going to a great cause. This is a, this is a great guy and, uh, his organization's awesome. So, uh, from bottom of my heart and everybody at Raising Grace, thank you, sir. And, uh, thank all y'all listening. Um, just thank y'all. Please go. I say it all the time, but with the last couple shows we've done with nonprofits that have supported military in one way or another, or this K9, uh, the K9 Heroes, instead of buying something dumb this week, go support something that matters. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. We'll catch you next time.